Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean. And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Right, Nico Carrera, welcome to Footwork. No, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. So, yeah, let's start with it. We have a motto here. It's called Make Your Own Path, essentially meaning, you know, you follow your dreams. You're not held to the normal roots if they do not fulfill you. Just doing you, basically. So what does Make Your Own Path mean to you? I mean, I think you guys say it pretty well. It's uh, not, not, not sticking to a single stereotype. I know there was a... A uh, coach from NFC Dallas, his name is Chuy Veras, who helped me a lot my U17 and U19 year. And he always, uh, especially before I came to Germany, he always said, uh, break stereotypes. Don't let yourself get into any single stereotype. And I think that's, uh, that's a very important message that fits in with you guys' model, uh, that there there isn't just one single route, one single pathway, one single thing that works for everyone, because we're all very different. Our paths are very different. Our development is very different. Our circumstances are all very different. Uh, and so, uh, but the one thing that we do have control is over the stereotypes that are put on us and how we can break them, how we can get around them, how we can find a way, you know, uh, coming from the background that, that my family comes from, it's been a, it's been a fighting background from my, my mom's side and my dad's side uh, that have really instilled a, a lot of the same things that have made uh, their family so successful uh, with through hard work through believing when there's, when there, it makes no sense to believe and through finding different uh, solutions when when you say you know how will you find a solution how can you instead of having that mentality it's where is the solution instead of why like there is no simple solution here why don't you have your own podcast i swear (laughs) (laughs) you know i i thought i it definitely be fun it definitely be fun but right now i'm studying college right now okay Uh, i have a i'm doing an internship as well so i'm doing a lot of things on the side that there's there's no time for it, but it'd be I, I definitely want to do one with the, my uh, my brother one day. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think cool, yeah. I think we have a lot of stories and a lot of things that we can share. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, brilliant. So now for those with that for those out there that do not know you, um, we want to give them a, a bit of a sneak peek into your background, your upbringing, your career thus far, uh, without diving deeper because we're going to get into those topics. So can you give yeah. the the listeners a bit of a narrated movie trailer of your life thus far? Narrated movie trailer. Uh, oof. a kid with big dreams who never had doubts he was going to make it just didn't know how that didn't really break into the soccer scene and was seen as a top talent until I was 16, 17 and that up until 14 I didn't, up until 14 years old I didn't play a single ounce of academy football all, all just uh, a level below it and that I, I had to fight a lot for my dream, but not alone with the help of my my parents and family who always believed in me, who always gave me support, especially my father. Mixed in that when he had the opportunity at 17 years old to be recognized as a top talent, that I knew how much I didn't want to, how much I wanted to keep that and how much I wanted to keep on going that I took advantage of the opportunities that were presented to me. I made it to the U17 national team. I even played the U17 national team world cup. And 
from then on, it started the fun stuff, breaking into the professional uh, uh, football, uh, training with the first team at FC Dallas, making my debut with North Texas, which is the, the affiliate team, the second team for FC Dallas. And then later on, signing my first professional contract here in Holstein Kiel. And then the, the story is writing itself now. I'm 20 years old and God willing, I have another 15 to 20 years left inside of me to keep on going. Just to start really just like a part, part one, you know, part. Yeah. Half, yeah. Even. I mean, There's so yeah. much you, left. You think about, you think about it. I'm only 20 years old. There's I'm, I'm not, I'm not necessarily super young, uh, but necessarily there's still a lot to be written, a lot to, a lot to be done, a lot to be seen, a lot to be worked for, you know? And I mean, just, and it hasn't been that long, like you said, but also you're 20, you've been around the game quite a, quite a bit. You've traveled already. Even yeah. looking back at this age, like, do you look at it as like, holy shit, how much has happened, how much I've accomplished and how grateful I am for the process? You know, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. You think about how grateful you are for the process, how grateful you are for, for everything that's happened. And you think, yeah, I've done a lot, but then I also look, I also go and I'm in my team and I see players that around me, Lewis Holpe, 32 years old. And I see all that he's done. And I could, and not, not necessarily that I compare it to what I've done because you can't compare it, but mm -hmm. I just look and say, there's so much more. There is so much more. So you recognize, yeah, I've done a lot, but this is really nothing compared to what is left to do. There's, there's still a lot to do. I'm barely just at the entrance of it all in all honesty, you know, and that's, that's the reality of it. And, uh, and that's, that's the way that I see it. Of course, thankful for all that you've been through. Always, always thankful because all the good and the bad, you always got to mm -hmm. be thankful for the bad as well. But I also see it. There's still a lot to be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start. Let's start with now too. I mean, you've been at Kiel for a bit and I think six or seven months ago, you signed a three-year extension, Holstein Kiel. Yeah. Lovely city, lovely city, all of that. So what does it mean to extend this partnership? How does it feel to continue life in this home away from home and how has your team and personal success been developing oh i mean it's uh it means everything to be able to to come to europe with the dream of signing a professional contract here in europe not not staying in the mls or Liga mekis you know trying to uh play in europe really and stay here and the that whole shankio was a team that opened that first opened the doors to europe they they signed me on a, on a contract in the middle of a pandemic and then later on gave me a full-on professional contract for three years, you know, shows a lot that they believe in me and shows that, you know, just as they have done right by me, I've done right by them and putting in the work and as much, and, you know, I would like to say that I earned that contract, you know, 100%. And uh, I'm very, very thankful and blessed to be at a club that allows me to keep on going in my career and provide me, the development that I need and the, and taking, taking care of me as a player and as a person as well. Now you had, um, after growing as a player with FC Dallas, you had many opportunities other than Holstein Kiel. How did, um, the Kiel come about number one and what made you make that decision that this was, this was right for you? Well, to be honest, I don't know how Kiel came about. It just, it just happened. Like I just got to, I remember I was just training on the, on a, on a field, like everyone did in COVID, just a random field with a, a few friends, Johan Gomez, Jonathan Gomez and my brother. And I just get a call from my agent saying, Hey, uh, there's this club, Ocean Kiel, they're interested in you. Ta -ta -ta. Uh, and then he said, basically said, I think it's a good option. And two days later, I'm back there on the pitch training. And he tells me, yeah, they're, they're they want to, they want to make you an offer. Uh, they seen your video because you can't do tryouts, you can't do anything. They just they 
videos, everything. And so uh, it came about that I had a Zoom with uh, the directors. They presented me the project, uh, showed me <laughs> through Zoom the facilities and everything, uh, talked about the pathway that could be, you know, they basically just told me at the beginning, you know, we're going to give you the opportunity, but it, to get to the pros, that's going to, you're going to have to earn that. But if you do well, the opportunities will be given to you. And, and it was exactly like that. Um, I, I did everything I can. The first year I was here in Kiel, was really, you can't really count it because I played three games for the three, four games for the U19s and the whole year was absolutely canceled because of COVID. You guys, you guys lived through it as well. Uh, and then the next year is when everything really started. Uh, I played with the second team. I made my way into the first team, made my debut, my starting 11 debut as well. Uh, and uh and sign a three-year contract extension so amazing yeah and just to build on that i mean because i feel like this is i mean as a young kid such a big decision to have to make especially when i read i think you had interest from ajax from different liga mx sides and i think there was even the possibility of you playing at louisville too um yeah yeah i was staying staying in mls and stuff so i mean did you feel pressures from some sides to go to college to kind of stay close to home and how did that kind of affect your whole decision-making process? No, not at all. Not at all. You know, uh, I'm very blessed to have the family that I have that they can support me and help me anywhere I go in the world. And so I having this, uh, you know, I know I recognize this, that is a privilege that not everyone can have. And so having that, having my family behind me really helped the point that distance didn't matter where I went didn't matter that I was going to be okay because my family was behind me and I had certainty of it. Uh, so I had the, as you said, I had different options, uh, other parts of Europe or in Liga Mekis and MLS as well. And I was committed D1 to the University of Louisville, but at the end of the day, was what felt right. You know, they, they presented a nice project, a good pathway that made me, that, that made me happy, that made my parents happy, that made my agent happy. And so, uh, it was uh at the end of the day it was a bargain it was not not a bargain a, a risk that you take to to go uh and everything but you do it all with the faith of god to that that this is the right place and that's that's what i felt that this was the right place that god put for me in my pathway and so far uh it's, it's worked out brilliant now walk us through a bit of a day in the life right now at host thank you oh i wake up at around 7 45 I stay in bed a little five minutes later. Right now that it's a little cold, I don't want to get up. Especially uh, you, don't got the, you got the cocoon, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to turn on the gas either. So, uh, yeah. yeah, man, those prices are no joke. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, so they, I wake up, I have a little breakfast, I can't eat much. And then I like to get to training. Usually we have training at 11 and our, our meeting point is at 10, 10, 15. I like to get there at 9, 15. Uh, do my own warm up, do my own activation, do some stability drills, do do something extra. I don't know. I, I can't stay at home before training. I feel like I have to be doing something. So I, I like to go to the club early. And then I train from put it 11 till 130, 145. Maybe I do some gym afterwards, some or some extra ball work outside. And then I come home around almost like 230, 245. I eat again. Uh Usually I take a nap around this time. And then uh, after the nap, I if I don't have a second workout or second training, which we only have that once in the week, I uh, I go and, and do some school. Uh, not my favorite time, do some school. Uh, then after that, I make some dinner. 
I either read a I like to read books, do some, uh, sometimes I do some regeneration stuff, stretching, mobility, you know, since I really need to work on that. Uh, and then uh, make my, and my, I don't know if I said I made dinner already, but I, I like to eat two dinners, a big one and then a small one. And then go, go to sleep. Usually I'm usually in bed around 9, 30, 10, and then start the whole day over again. We appreciate you scheduling yeah. us in during the nap time. Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. appreciate that. This, this, this is my nap time right <laughs> this now. This is crucial. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, before I had a question, but I'm, I, I took my interest from the two dinners. So big dinner, what time is that? And then is the little dinner, is that a nice Abendsbrot, you know, that now that you're uh, proper no, German? Not, bro, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't eat bread like the Germans. <laughs> I, I hear can't you. Yeah. There, I don't have the stomach for it. I don't have the no, stomach. There, there. It's for. years, years of genetics of them eating bread. <laughs> it's crazy. Bread and cheese. No, uh, usually first dinner is around like 7, 7.30. And then second dinner is right before I go to sleep. Just a small cereal or I make myself some quesadillas. Usually chicken quesadillas are my choice to, for this and my favorite. And so then I just I eat that and then. I go to sleep. Oh, and then sometimes I do love my baths. I love to take baths and make bubbles and do this. I <laughs> okay, love I okay. Love it. yeah. It's it's all it's also added. That's also part of the regeneration. Either just mm -hmm. go in the hot bath and just feel like a little, do my own little spa night, just 20, 30 minutes and it's all good. Nice, nice, nice. How, uh, how important do you feel like the consistency is in all of these things that you do to keep doing them day in and day out? Well, I mean... It's very important because it's the base of everything. If you don't do something consistently, it's not going to, you might have results short term, but you'll never have something long term. So that's the reality of the matter is uh, you have to be consistent. And, and in all honesty, I'm not a perfect person. I'm not always consistent with everything I do, but I always try my best to, to do more than, uh, than other people uh, to get ahead, to take care of myself. Uh, and right now it's, it's something that I'm working on to stay fully consistent and, and, and work on myself so I can be better every single day. And also, I mean, you mentioned that you had training from 11 to 145. Yeah, like one third. No, yeah, 11. But then we do a video, we do a, a, a okay. activation like that. That's it's like with a oh, long right. activation, long, long everything. Like, oh, no, not 145, 1245. Like, okay, 150. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know what's going on my head. Yeah. Sean was going to say, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you need yeah, that, you need that bubble lot. bath. That's You're training for three that's hours. That's wow. Not, no, no, no. <laughs> No, no. Some, sometimes we're out that long because we do video and then the video is like a 40, 30 minutes, 45 minute video. Yeah, right. I gotcha. And then a 20 minute activation, 15 minute activation with warm up and everything. And then you get on the pitch and start training. So sometimes right. it's like that. But other time when there's no video or anything, we're done by it's usually not, we were usually not on the pitch more than an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Right. Pretty typical and, here. And, and how have you felt? I mean, you kind of, we mentioned a few just German nuances just right there, but how have you felt like adapting to such a different culture and way of life? Well, I mean, I don't think, I don't think it's a matter of adapting to it. I think it's just a matter of accepting your reality. I, I've, I've, I've gotten accustomed to German traditions, German uh, times, you know, always being on time, always being early uh, rule following uh, blitzers, everything. Technology squad, but yeah, no. So I've gotten accustomed to these things. Of course, you have to respect these things because this is a country that I'm in. You know, the language was not easy to get accustomed. I learned it. It's all good now. Uh, but you know, these are all things that you have to respect, get accustomed because this is a country that that opened its doors for you. 
and you're living in it. So you have to you also have to respect that. But at the same time, it's not, I'm not changing these German traditions, German customs for for my own things. I'm still in my household. You know, I still eat the food that I that I was that I was made at home. You know, I'm still listening. I don't listen to German music. I listen to my own music. I listen to I do my own things that are more part of my tradition where I come from, from back home with having all the German things on the side as well, you know, complementing one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like assimilating to the country, but still staying true to yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Now you mentioned before that you didn't play Academy um, before yeah. you were 14. What yeah. was your upbringing like? And, and was becoming a professional always in your mind or did it only become a reality when you first got into the an Academy? No, being a professional was always in my mind, was always the goal, was always the dream ever since I was little. I at four years old, I fell in love with the game. You know, that's when I started playing it. I was a I was obsessed with it, really obsessed with it as, as well. And then uh, uh when I was I played when I played in Mexico, you know, in Mexico football is everywhere. It's on the streets, it's on pitches that are nice, pitches that are bad. Uh, with cans with shoes you play with a ball you go to a wedding and you 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 make a ball out of whatever you can find you know and that's how you play uh and so it's always it's always that's always that's how it started and then it moved when my parents moved to the u.s they they took the whole family with and at six years old i played in chicago and then uh from six to nine i played in chicago nine to twelve i played in uh minnesota and actually at 12 years old my dad said you know if we're gonna if you guys he said you know he saw that we had talent he said, you know, if I'm, I want to give you guys the best opportunity to do this and I want to get out of this cold climate. I want to go back to cold, hot climate. And so he researched where is the best uh, football academy in the U.S. And FC Dallas was where it was. He got a job that allowed him to be in Dallas, uh, a good job as well that uh, allowed the family to be in Dallas. We bought a house that was next to the training session. So we it was more it was a. 10 minute drive maximum uh and and we started playing on the affiliate teams until when i was yeah almost 13 was the first year that you could do this pre-academy you know the 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 academy i went to the tryouts and uh i didn't make it i didn't make it uh and so and then the next and then i i was rejected from the academy and then the next year i played the whole year at an affiliate team as well and then after that, they had tryouts again. I was invited to them, tried out, got rejected two years in a row. And then uh, this is where I say, you know, this I owe a lot to my father. Is he had he always had these these ideas that you could say were crazy. You know, there was this program called Alianza that really uh, opened the door for me. They I went to a trial. I was fourteen years old. I didn't know what it was. I got selected to go to the national showcase. I end, I went to the national showcase. Long story short, I end up getting fourteen invites from from clubs to go to go to their academies, and I end up choosing uh, the one that I go the, my hometown from when I was born in Mexico, Pachuca, which is I would say the best academy in Mexico. You know, great players. Hector Herrera has come out of it. Guti uh, Guti, who plays in PSV, has come out of it. Mm -hmm. Chucky Lozano by Napoli. Like you know, there's there's been a lot of good players that have come out of this academy. So I, I ended up. Uh, 14 moving away from home in chase of a dream to join my first academy and at 15 i ended up coming back to fc dallas when uh i got i got a i got convinced to come back to fc dallas as well as uh for educational reasons uh and that and that was it and then from fc dallas i did i did my time at fc dallas and then whole shank you 
Wow. Really? I mean, at such a such an early age to kind of have those big rejections and then become almost first full circle again and come back to the club that denied you twice. Yeah. I mean, did it was it was there any part in your mind that wanted to prove people wrong or was it more just proving yourself right? I say at first it was just proving myself right. And then later on it was it, it also when I first when I made especially I, when I went to Dallas when I went to Pachuca it was to prove myself right when I came back from the Dallas it was to prove people wrong mm. you know so a mix of both and right now I would say it's it's to prove myself you know it's, it's nothing about anyone else right now it's my dream my my journey and it's uh, I've tried I'm I'm trying my best to make it all for me and not focused on anyone else you know. Yeah. And how did that develop you as a player uh, joining Pachuca Academy and then eventually going to FC Dallas? But the difference in mentality maybe in Mexico compared to the academy in the U.S. I would say I would say it absolutely did. I, of course, it helped me as a player, but I, I don't think that experience affected me as much as the players it did as a person. You know, getting that mentality of knowing what, what it feels like to be rejected, knowing what it feels like to be told you're not good enough, knowing what it what it feels like to to for people to doubt the skills that you have, doubt the talent, say, oh, you're not going to make it pro and in, in, in a way stomp on your dream at such an early age just gave you, just gave me, gave me the ability to, you know, say like, it's it's not like that. I have to, uh, I have to believe in myself, and that's what matters. And I have to keep on going, and I have to shut things out, and I have to be strong mentally because the uh, the only one who's in control is myself. You know, these people are just talking. So you, I I always say you have to be like a horse that have the the racing horses. They they're like this. They have the things on their eyes, so they don't see side to side because if they see other horses, they get distracted. So I would say that it, it helped me a lot much more in the mentality and the maturity that I had as a person because going through those processes is not easy, especially at a young age. And it has definitely prepared me for to be where I am I am today. And what about just in terms of confidence? Like the well, that transition of being told no, getting to these it, levels, it, growing as a player, what was that role like? Oh man! Uh, right after I got my first, the first rejection, because before that I hadn't been rejected in my life. I was always told you're good, you're good, you're really good. Da, da, da. You know, always, always praised. And when that happened, my confidence. That's uh, when I. That's when I had a. I first had a psychologist. She and you know working with her really helped me get my confidence back in myself, in my game, and and most of all enjoy the game. Enjoy the game as, again. You know, because after that, I was just like, I, I was just like, oh. it, 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 every single time I thought I connected training and playing with the rejection, you know, for a little bit. And it, I had to get that out of the way, got keep on going out in the, in the reality of the matter is that that was the best thing that could have happened to me at such a young age. Because as I said, once I got older and I got, I got opportunities, I knew what it felt like to not have any of these opportunities. I knew what it felt like to be all the way at the bottom. And once you know this feeling, you know damn well you're not going back, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such an important topic and such a good revelation and experience for you to have. I think a lot of players deal with these things like, you know, loss of confidence and relating things to Ooh. this rejection, of course. And I think it was it can be such a, a barrier and such a stigma for players to take that little leap and, you know, 
seek a little bit of help from a sports psychologist or psychologist. So oh, what if, what advice would you give those kind of, you know, maybe on the edge, just, just to try it and, and just to see how it works for them? I will tell them it's completely normal to lose confidence. I will tell them it's completely normal to go Now, uh, everything that I say, you know, yeah, play the World Cup, everything I'm here, sign my professional contract, doesn't mean that I also don't go through moments in my career so far that have been where I've been like this and other times where I've been like this, you know, even most recently as well. It happens. It happens to every single player. It's it's completely normal. You're not alone. You're not You're not bad. It's, it's completely normal. So that, that's one thing that I would say, you know, you just have to accept and, and understand. And later on, I would say it's okay. Like getting, getting help, having someone to talk to is extremely important, whether that be your dad, whether that be your mom, whether that be a friend, whether that be a psychologist or a sports psychologist, you know, me personally to disclose all information I have, my dad is like my main sports psychologist. I, that's, that's who I talk to about uh, my feelings and that's who helps me, uh, get better in the sports but then i also have my own personal psychologist and she is just an old lady who will tell me things straight and she is more about life she i tell her only things i tell her very basic things about soccer because she doesn't understand any concept of it mm. but everything that is about life i explain to her i tell it to her and she helps me get through that whether it be school whether it be life whether it be friends whether it be drama whether it be girlfriend whether it be what it, my brother whatever it be what whatever it may be she's the one she's the person that i have that i can talk to without uh you could say any filter you know mm-hmm. so it's it's important to have these people it doesn't matter who it is but it is important to have these people and if you don't mind me asking how is how is this kind of you know having your dad and having her how has it helped you find a little bit of balance to take time away from football at times well it just takes it takes this pressure that you have this weight and you're mm-hmm. able to share it with someone you're able to share it with someone that's the biggest thing you know all these problems that i have whether it be in my head whether it be you know whether, whether it be something on on the pitch lack lack of confidence or something i can go and share that managing situations on the pitch managing situations off the pitch with teammates with coaches uh playing with the first team and then getting moved, getting, getting going down to the second team to play and then going back to the first team, all these situations that happen, it's, it, it's, it's, it sometimes can be a lot. And so having someone to share that with mm-hmm. is absolutely necessary. I would say if you really want to be, get the highest level, because you're, you're never going to make, you see all the greats. If you look at Ronaldo, Ronaldo doesn't do it alone. Ronaldo has his psychologist. Ronaldo has his trainer, his neurologist, his trainer, his therapist, his physiotherapist. Da, 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 da. You see a list of these. You know, the top players, they're don't, they're not alone. They're not alone. They don't do this alone. The team of people around them. And how how are you gonna say, oh, I don't need a team of people around me when you the best players who make all the money in the world that are playing at the highest level all have exactly. people around them? Mm-hmm. You need to have people around you that are gonna help. It doesn't matter who it is or what their function is but you need to have people to share this pressure because alone is not it's not easy and it's and and once again it's not healthy you need to have people to share this with because you know a big example i would say that i've seen is my father my father he he has gone high in the in the in the in his in his job in the companies that he's worked but a good of the time he he had to do it alone and i saw the toll it took on his health i saw the toll it took on his health as a child and you know you see these things and you're you you see how much at times he suffered 
but now he shares what he learned to me and my siblings. You know, so we're as as me as a, as his son, I'm extremely grateful that he learned all these things. And and he and one thing he says, you know, I wish I had I wish I had someone to go through this with. I wish someone would have would have would have would have taught me this when I was when I was younger, when I was little. And so it's extremely important to have people that will help you because you're not going to know everything. You're not going to be the best at everything. You know, I always, you know, I, I think, you know, all as amazing as you may be at something, there's always someone better than you and other things that can help. And you don't need to carry all the burden yourself. Yeah. Appreciate you sharing that. I think that is, is so important for people to hear and that regardless of what field you're in, everyone needs that. Everyone needs people around them to speak to because everyone. nothing good comes from keeping it all inside. Yeah, and, everyone. And staying on a topic of big decisions, um, your national team experience—you were able, you had, uh, from from what I heard and read—is nothing. You had nothing to do with any national team, and then with the span of two days, two countries are are calling for you. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Uh, uh, I can tell you about the experience. It was uh, the DA playoffs when DA was still a thing. We had just lost against Solar. I was extremely sad because we lost in the quarterfinals against a, in, a derby game, which was absolutely an, an, a very good game, very, very good game that, you know, just sucks to lose. I was I remember being very sad. And then I remember getting called on into the lobby and having the director of the FC Dallas Academy there. You know, he, he called me down another and another player down and he said, yeah, uh, you guys got to call up to the Mexican national team. You guys do well. Uh, you guys are going to go to Japan for a tournament. And I'm like, and then I just remember asking, oh, when, when is it? When do I have to leave? And then he said, uh, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I was like, I was like, oh, amazing. Amazing. I was like, and I, and in my head, I was like, okay, turn the page. Let's go. I was extremely excited. I remember celebrating with my, with my, with my, my mom was there. My siblings were there in the lobby. I remember celebrating and just saying, no, yeah, I got a call up. Uh, I was just I was just extremely happy, and then the next day, uh, my agent tells me, "Hey, uh, the U.S. Uh, national, the youth national teams have uh, they've been aware that you're about to get your citizenship. They didn't know that you were about to get your citizenship. They thought you were 100% Mexican because I was about to get my citizenship two weeks later, mm-hmm. and I actually got my American citizenship while I was in the Mexican national team camp in Mexico. Uh, and so uh, I." Uh, the next day, uh, I get a text from agent. I'm going to connect you with Rafa Wiki because at the time he was the U17 uh, uh, head coach, and he and he's you, you he wants to talk to you. And so the next day in the, at midday, I get a call where I, I'm and I'm speaking to Rafa Wiki, and he asking me if I would be if I would be open to playing to the US. Of course, I say yes. And then he invites me to the U17, uh, a U17 camp that they were going to have in California. And then I was like, oh, so when is it? And so basically, I it was a week later after coming back from the Mexican national team camp where I was going to be gone for almost a month. I think I was gone for three weeks, mm-hmm. two and a half, three weeks, which was a good amount of time. And then I come back and then one week later, a little bit after after that. And then I'm at the I'm at the U.S. national team camp. And then after that, a month later, I'm playing. Um, I'm making my international debut with the U.S. against Mexico and the Netherlands and then a few months after that, I'm playing. I'm in the U17 World Cup. How quickly Crazy. football can can just uh, change a, a fortune? You know, it's insane. It's, it's just like happen. that. Things yeah, happen. From yeah. day to night. Things happen from day to night, and 
and that and the and the thing is the Mexican national team camp. My parents, my dad knew about it. My dad knew about it. He said, if if my team had won and we would have stayed in playoffs, I would have not been allowed to go. Oh wow! Okay, but just like lost. that too. We yeah. lost. Yeah. We lost, and so uh, I was able to go uh, because I know the Mexican national team had been wanting to call me. Uh, that well, I didn't know, but my dad knew that they wanted to call me, but they needed to see if I would win or lose. Okay, and so we lost, wow. and then ta-da, everything. It's happened. amazing. It's amazing how these cards kind of play out. But uh, I mean, just even talking just about this this experience in a youth World Cup, what memories do you have of that, and how do you feel like that kind of shaped you to see that sky is the limit? I think I think it shaped me in the sense that showed me. It's like I I say it's an addiction. It showed you what 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 the top level of football can be, mm. and even even just saying these words, I get goosebumps because I tell you, it's it's an absolute addiction to be on that pitch with so many with thousands of people watching you, playing the highest level of football with the highest level of players around you. It's absolutely addicting, addicting. And and the 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 most beautiful moment I would say was when I started against Japan in the U seventeen World Cup, and I. It was, uh, I, I looked up into the stance and I saw my whole family there. I saw, Damn. I, I just saw my grandparents were there, both sets of them, uncles, uh, parents, uh, all my siblings except one was there, and I, I remember just seeing tears come out of my dad's, my dad's face and my grandpa's face, and just them hugging like. It was. You know, that, Damn, that that's, moment, that's what a moment, that, that moment, man. Yeah, that, that moment to me is the one that I hold dearest in my heart mm-hmm. because it's 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 not only been a lot of work and sacrifice for me, but a lot of work and sacrifice for my family. Mm-hmm. And to see it pay off in in that way, well, glory to God has been has been the most beautiful moment I've had in my life so far. Can't imagine, man. Unreal. Um, just quickly speak and uh, not quickly, but just to transition here, speaking about family, um, I've I've seen a little bit about Team Carrera. I know that the, yeah. the family of ballers uh, peep the website and everything. And I just, yeah, just I mean, can you tell us a little bit a bit about the family, what everyone's doing, and you know what is the goal of Team Carrera? So, yeah, Team Carrera is what what we we decided to embark on as a as a journey as a family, just to create our own brand, create our own brand of who we are, because we believe as a family, it is something that, that we can share to the world. You know, we're, we're very privileged. We're very blessed, but all that privilege and blessing has not come, has not been given to us. It has, it has been earned by the hard work that my mom and dad have built into the family. You know, none of, none of what we have has, has been absolutely given to us. It's been a lot of work from my mom and my dad. And so us as siblings, we recognize that. And we recognize how privileged and, and and blessed we are to the point that we can take advantage of it and help help others, whether it be in sharing messages. Uh, later on, uh, you know, we would like to to help in in other ways, but right now, just sharing who we are. And right now, we're growing that. You know, my brother, he's a he's a third goalkeeper for Dallas, a professional player as well in the MLS. My sister, she's sixteen year old. She's in high school, and she. She's also doing the Alianza thing, and who knows what might happen in her near future. Uh, she could either go to college, she could either go pro. Who knows? That's uh, that's her journey. Uh, and right now, it's uh, I can't tell you. I can't really say much more than that. And then I have a little brother who's twelve years old. Who's he's on the come up. He's doing his own thing, grinding. Uh, and really, I have to say, he's 
he's a, such an amazing kid, my little brother. When he it was actually going to be his birthday on Sunday, so uh, really, really proud of it. Really, really, really proud of the kid that he is. You know, at twelve years old, I would I would never think he's twelve years old, and the amount of love he gives to the family is absolutely incredible. So that's who we are as a family. We're very blessed. We're very we're very fortunate, but we always want to give back to the world whether it be any way that we can. And uh, the project is uh, is growing little by little, little by little. There'll, there'll be more things coming up. First off, shout out to him. Happy birthday. And, yeah, happy birthday. and, and second off, I'm excited for this Team Carrera podcast. I think that's, uh, that's, yeah, that's in the cards. It could, it's, it could be coming. It could be coming later. Now, coming back to Germany, we want to talk about um, how it is to you're basically balancing two teams. You have the first team in the second Bundesliga and the second team, which plays in the Regionalliga Nord, which is also the same as Dylan and I. Yeah. How is it playing with both teams and balancing the expectations, the wins and losses, the level of training, the level of pitches that you play on uh, with, with both teams? Well, I mean, it's different. You know, you definitely can't expect what you receive in the first team to be on the second team as well. Uh, being living in both worlds, you know, it's it's you can't really compare the, the training the you can't really compare it at all you know um i'm a part of the first team my contract is with the first team uh i train with the first team week in week out uh and then if i if i need playing time i go you know as, as i do they send the players down to the second team get playing time and then get sent back up to the first team so it's a it's an experience in itself that you know you you know that maybe if you don't play on the weekend with the first team, you have to go and help the second team. You just, you, you see it as it is and you try and give your best to the second team because at the end of the day, you recognize that you might be taking the spot of a player that that's training weekend. We got with the second team and you just come in and play. So you have to recognize that you have to really give it your all because it's it, you, you have a higher expectation set on yourself and you are, you are doing higher things that, that, will help you keep on going you know so it's uh it's interesting it's fun but i would say the dynamic here in kill personally is really well the the communication between the first team and the second team is quite well the trainer and the first team great guy marcel rap i have nothing but good things to say and then the second team trainer mr bunkul sebastian bunkul also the same thing nothing but good things to say they really both trainers really try and help the player develop the player and and make the player the best that they can regarding the circumstances around us. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about culture and, and the differences in, in Germany and kind of a, not so adapting to it, but just I- inheriting it. So in terms of on the field, football, football wise, oh. what are some of the things that at least at first you kind of, you know, figured in and, and, and had to work on or, you know, some things now that you still feel like, or you feel like you've really grown in and you feel like this is a great place in German football. Oh, I love German football. I love it. I love it. I love it. The aggressiveness, the quality of it, how fast they, the gigan pressing, everything. I love it. I love it. I love everything. I love it. Even, even you look at the regional league on Nord, you see the intensity of the games, the, the fourth division, you see the intensity of the games. Maybe the quality is not always there, but the intensity, the fight, the, the, how fast it is. You, you can't, especially coming from the U.S., you can't compare it. You can't compare it. I look at, and then when I go to the first team, and I'm, I'm sharing the pitch with players like Louis Holpe, Fabian Ries, uh, you know, so on and so on, players that have played champions, players that have played Bundesliga 1, you see the quality and the things that they do, and you just fall in love. And then you see yourself, and you're able to do it. It's it's like, well, okay, that's really cool. 
but I would say one thing that I would that I would compare it that I, that is very different to the MLS. I feel there's no innocence here in, in Germany. There's no innocence. It's it's it, not that it's a free for all, but the demand is so much higher than what I experienced at the MLS. So much much higher. I've trained when I was training with the first team uh, uh, with FC Dallas. There's there's you know they they really try to. I, I see this difference of coddling the players. And here in Germany, there's zero innocence, zero innocence. They don't mm -hmm. care if you're 40 years old. They don't care if you're 15 years old. If you're 15 year old and you're doing good, they're going to praise you. On it. But if you're, if you're not doing good, they're going to get on your ass and be very vocal and be very, very honest about it. Very, very honest. It's speaking with no filter in the U S you don't have you, at least from my experience, I did it. You, you don't see that. You don't see that. And so it's definitely interesting, definitely something else, but definitely something that you enjoy. That it, I, I personally, as I said, I love it. And it's it's also addicting to to play at such a high level. No innocence. I like that. I haven't, yeah. I haven't heard no, that. No, I haven't heard it no verbalized innocence. that way, but I like that. There's yeah. no innocence. There's like, yeah. like when uh when I, I remember uh, the first words I told my dad after I made my starting 11 debut versus Rostov with, 22,000 fans they're absolutely crazy fans amazing i told i told my dad i said all my innocence of the of the real of the real of what was football is absolutely gone after it's, this. Gone. it's, it's gone, gone. Yeah. it's gone being in a stadium like that losing such an important game and then the next day you know being being you know pushed on by by staff members and everything i said my innocence is absolutely gone but at the mm -hmm. same way you can lose your innocence but I would say try to stay kid-like in the sense of enjoying and loving the game. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, that's well put. Yeah. I think just even on the flip side, to add to that, it's, I mean, when you, I, I asked you about adapting to German football, but what do you feel like you brought to German football? I mean, you have such an interesting background, Mexican-American. I mean, we, I think, all, we all know different tendencies in both. So what did you bring? I think just a different energy. I think, mm. none, I don't think there's, I don't think there's many teammates that, well, I, I don't know, at least I don't think there is uh, of any of my teammates that has this Latino, Latino background, Latino way of being in, in the locker room, on the pitch, uh, just overall, this uh, extrovert, you know, that, that, you know, making jokes, being able to take jokes uh, on the pitch. I, 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 I'm not, I don't play like a German. I don't. I don't play like a German at all. You know, I I see the usual German center back, and I don't. I don't recognize myself in much of it. You know, but I also I've also taken parts of the game. But I think sticking true to myself. You know, like to play on the ball, like to dribble, like to maybe get into risky situations that maybe I shouldn't at times. You know, all these things that that make me me is is what I think I brought. That is very different to being just your European player. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think like we talked about before, it's having that balance of adapting and learning, but also staying true to your strengths. Exactly. Like you said, there's there's also teams out there that like to play exactly that way. And, exactly. And doing that because they're your your skill sets is, is is a good thing. Now, also, what about when you're not getting picked for the first team? Um, when you play for the second team, do you have the mindset of you have to prove yourself here? Mm, not so much that you have to prove yourself because I've already proven myself or else I wouldn't be on the first team mm -hmm. or else I wouldn't have gotten that contract. You know, I don't think there's any doubt in the club that of the potential that I have and what I can do on the pitch. 
I think it's just a matter of you have to perform. It's a, it's, it's a competitive environment. We have a roster right now, I think, of 29 players, if I'm not mistaken, maybe one or less, give or take. It's 29 players. There's only 20, mm. there's only 20 spots on the roster, and there's only 11 players that can play at, from, uh, from the beginning. So eight from the 29, 18 players are not playing from the beginning. And then from those 18, only five can come in and make a difference maximum, even if we use five. So that mm. means you have 13 players that are going to get no playing time or are not going to be like, it's absolutely, you have to recognize and you can't take things personal because it's not, I know it's nothing against me. It's not, it's not of my performances. It's not of the way that I've been, that I've been training or playing. It's just what it is. And so when I when I I don't get minutes on the first team and I have to go down the second team, it's okay, let's perform so you can have the best chance to get minutes on the first team. Because that's a, you, it's an opportunity to prove yourself when you're playing that that I deserve those minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. Not not prove myself to anyone or anything, but just it's a way to make a statement that I I need to be on the first team. I, I should not be playing on the second team anymore. So that's the mentality that that I look on it. Mm-hmm. Now, we have a few phrases or, I guess, topics that we've either come across um, from your website or from interviews, uh, quotes, and things like that. So we're going to throw it out there, and we just want you to just kind of elaborate on what that might mean to you. So this first one is the idea of nothing to lose. Yeah, I mean, you got one life. (laughs) You got one life. It's uh, there in... There is nothing to lose in in this life, you know. Is is as long as you 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 know you this phrase means you go into a situation that might be risky, that might be a dream that you might believe, and you go into you go you gotta go in with the mindset. There is nothing to lose. What mm-hmm. you can't you can't go in thinking what is there to lose because if you you're having this constant worry, you have to go. There is nothing to lose. Whatever happened happens, and I have to trust that if the door opens or the door closes it's the best thing that god wants for me so you you go on and you put that faith that there is nothing to lose and everything will be okay no matter what happens and most of the time when you allow your body allow your mind to be all in one and allow and allow for yourself to work in faith usually things turn out good more than they turn out on the bad side you know so that's that's the that's the way that me and my family sleep brilliant what about the role of limiting beliefs? Yeah, I mean, who's the why? Why should why should I myself limit what I can do and what I can what I can think and what I can dream? If I see if if I if I see the circumstances that my father came up with and to where he is now, and and he said and he said if I limited myself to the things around me and the circumstances around me, I would be nowhere close to where I am right now. And so I look at the best example is my father. I can look at also the examples of my mom's family. I can look at the examples of my grandpa from my dad's side. These people, they had belief when there shouldn't be any. So you, why would I, why would I limit myself to any possibility? Me and, and expect other people to not, to like not limit me as well. There's no reason to put limits. Whatever happens, happens. You go in, you do your best and you do what you can. And what comes out, comes out. And sometimes what you think comes out, something much better comes out of it or sometimes it it doesn't it doesn't happen but you can't go in with a limiting belief of what will happen Mm, that's magic right there um last one little two-parter being present and enjoying the journey yeah you you have to be i think i think this is a concept a philosophical concept that 
many people I personally struggle with that to be truly present and understand what you're living right now, the day that you're living, you will never live again. This is something that I think that I can personally say I struggle with understanding and accepting sometimes and realizing that this interview that I'm doing, I will never do again. You know, this, these words that I'm speaking, they're, they're, they're my present and I have to be focused on it. I can't have my mind be at home in the U.S. I can't have my body be here and my heart be who knows where. I have to be present and aligned and it, and I have to enjoy the journey of everything because the reality of it, all the bad makes the good so much better, makes the good so much better. All these, you know, getting rejected, all these bad days, they make you enjoy the good days that much more. So you have to have this balance and you have to be accepting of everything that good that comes to you and everything bad as well, because that is your journey. And without the good, there wouldn't be bad. And without the bad, there wouldn't be good. You know, yeah. completely agree. And going hand in hand with that, we like to talk about having a direction, not an endpoint, meaning you can have end goals, but the, the point itself is not going to be fulfilling. When you get to this point, you're going to be happy and it's all over. But of course, you're not going to stop there. It's, no. it's about having that journey. Now, where are you now and what direction do you want to go? You know, right now I'm here playing for Holstein Kiel in the second Bundesliga. I'm 20 years old. I'm studying college. Where do I want to go? Oh, it's, it's, it's tough to say. You know, it's uh, I would have to divide it Ed educational-wise. I'd like to finish my degree. I'd like to get my bachelor's in finance. Sporting-wise, I'd like to push myself to the highest level that I can. I'd like to make all my dreams come true. And and I, I'm not going to limit myself to playing Champions League, to playing the World Cup. You know, whatever happens, happens. And I have faith that God will open the doors for me. I just take it day by day and focus on myself and give myself the best opportunity to make it to a higher level because – I'm sure as you guys do, we all have this desire to keep on going competitive wise. And, the, and that's that's the same place where I am in, in life. I just, I hope to be happy. I hope to be healthy. I hope to one day have a beautiful wife and a lot of kids. I want four kids. <laughs> four future. kids, okay. Yeah, four kids. Team Carrera on. is growing. Yeah, later, yeah exactly. Later <laughs> on in the future. And I'd really love to get into real estate as well. Really, mm -hmm. really love to get into real estate. I love what's investing. I love what's finance. I'd love to get deeper into it more than I already am. Mm. Love that. Yeah. So we're going to head into a little fast feet round, some quick fire questions. And the first one is favorite player growing up. Oh, uh, from my position, Rafa Marquez overall. Mm. Wow. Favorite moment in football? Personal or just overall? Personal. Personal. First, oh yeah, singing the national anthem and seeing my family up there on the stand, seeing my my dad and my grandpa. Most difficult personal moment? I think the first rejection. I it felt it felt like I remember I, I think I cried myself to sleep for the next two three days. I saw my mom really sad for me. Uh, was was really really tough. I didn't I didn't I didn't know where I was gonna go in in footballing wise or how I could make it, you know, I, I always had, I never had, I never doubted that I would make it. I just, at that point moment, I just said, how am I going to, like, how is this even possible? If I'm, mm -hmm. if I'm rejected, how am I even going to make it? You know? So I, that would be the hardest so far. Best advice you ever received? It was from my mom. Um, it was a quote and she, the quote is, uh, I have it written on my whiteboard. It says, uh, Fight as if everything depended on you. Depended on you, 
knowing that God has the control. And uh, she said that right as uh, uh, as the COVID pandemic started hitting and I didn't know what was going to happen with my future. And so that base, that that quote really gave me a lot of peace in 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 a in the unforeseen future that who knows what was gonna happen. Favorite place you've lived? Dallas. I love Dallas. I love the city. I love Frisco. It's uh it's hot, good weather all around, a lot to do, a lot to see. Close to my family in Mexico. What else can I what else do you want, you know? Yeah. Best player you ever played against and with. Best player I played against? Ooh, that's a hard one. I mean, in an in an official game, I couldn't. With I can answer, it's one hundred percent no doubt Lewis Holby. Yeah, he's a baller. Yeah. Even now at thirty two, I just the things he does in training and and in games. Sometimes I just think you know, there's an excess of quality. Like it's oozing out of him. Mm-hmm. I'm him in his in his boots or everything. It's 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 a joy to watch him play. Uh. Best player against a plate against. Shoot, I don't know. I played it. I don't know. I I couldn't tell you. I couldn't. There hasn't been one player that I that I've played an official match against. You know, in training, I've trained with and played against a, a, a quality players like Gio Reyna, Joe Scali, a BK Brian Cahill, uh, You know, in Dallas, I played with Jesus Ferreira, Paxton Comico. You know, there's a lot of players i played against but in the official match i couldn't really say one name that that stood out we'll take those though the training yeah. matches can get intense too we'll take those um if you weren't a footballer what would you be i'd be i'd be i'd be a finance guy probably in a fraternity you know <laughs> in a frat wow okay i mean not, not i don't think that necessarily but i've, I've like I don't. I've never had a college experience or anything. I didn't really have much of a high school experience either. But no, fraternities same. look re- fraternities look really cool in the movies. So like, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know how, how true they are. I hear I hear mixed reviews here and there. But the I would say mixed. Bro, yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the typical finance bro, like, usually <laughs> in a frat, you know, getting internships here and there. So that that definitely would be where I am, especially deep related to real estate, a hundred and ten percent. Awesome. Your favorite book? Ooh. Let me get it. Love that. Oh, I like that. It's on hand, people. Yeah. It's, I don't know. Friends and influence I've, people. I've built in friends and influence people. It's uh, it give it just it opens up your eyes on on social on just social constructs, social relationships, how to in a way, how to analyze people, get your way, and and manage yourself with different types of people. And this and this was the first book that I read when I was getting into like a, a year, two years ago, a year and a half into this, uh, you know, better myself journey outside of football as well. Uh, and this was the first one that was recommended to me, and the first one I read out of uh, out of a few others. Add it to the book list. Yeah. Um, any mantra that you live by? Yeah, as I said, you know, the quote that my mom said, you know, fight as if everything depended on you knowing that God has a control because that's the reality of it. You know, you fight as if God isn't here. You fight as if it only depended on you. But as long as you have this in the back of your head, this faith that you are nothing but a measly human and that God has control over you and that God will make things 
right by you no matter what, then it allows you to perform yourself without limits and with nothing to lose. You know, it, it all comes together. It all comes together. If once if you look if you look at the team Carrera, all the th all the things that we have there, it all comes back to the base of faith, base of God that we are nothing but measly humans that absolutely are doing nothing but His will. We're doing nothing but God's will. And if you live your life like that, whether it be, whether you're Christian, whether you're Catholic, whether you're Muslim, whether you're Jewish or anything, if you believe these bases of yourself, it's going to be, everything's going to be okay. So you shouldn't set limit yourself because if God has no limit for you, why should you? Amazing. Brilliant. Nico, we want to thank you so much for coming on. What an amazing discussion. No, man, um, it's, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think I, I, if, if we could be here talking two, three more hours, you know, oh, agreed, agreed, man. So I'm going to so, meet, I'm, I might meet you guys on the pitch, uh, you know, very soon. soon. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, we'll, we'll do it. Uh, we'll do a live on air one right after the game. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> I, love, I love, I think, uh, uh, I think I'm playing Lubick 30th. Yeah. I think 30th next few month? weeks we play each other. Yeah. 30th, nice. 30th of this month uh, at home. So uh, uh, if I'm not with the first team, then uh, I'll definitely see you on the pitch. Awesome. That's that's a promise yeah. too, Sean. Watch out. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I'm, I'm, I got I'm you. A, on, wear, I got you on set pieces. I'm gonna wear some extra long studs that day. You know. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> I'll sharpen before the game. <laughs> uh, amazing. Um, like you said, uh, we're we're looking forward to a part two. Uh, I know there's so much for you to accomplish still, and uh, we're gonna be following along with your journey. Uh, where can people find you on on social media and and, uh, and the family? Find, find me on Instagram, Nico Carrera. You can find uh, uh, the family page, Team Carrera, on Instagram and Twitter. All the handles. And genuinely, if there's any viewer out there, I always like to say is if there's any viewer out there that has any questions regarding their journey, regarding uh, any personal thing that they they feel that I could help them with advice, my DMs are always open. I will respond, and uh, because I know what it feels, I know what it is like to be that kid looking for uh, some guidance, uh, whether it be on one question or two questions, you know, I, I know what it is like. So my DMs are open for, for people that, that feel that is uh, something that they, that they need. Love that. He's got a lot go. to give. Thank you, Nico. No, it's a pleasure guys. Thank you. What an amazing episode. I mean, I really enjoyed that one. I told him off camera. I got a lot from it personally. Just, I love and Christina kind of said this too, is some topics that you know a bit about, but people verbalize it and say it in a different way. And it brings a different meaning to it. I mean, there was a lot of things, a lot of gems throughout that episode. I think um, a guy who knows how lucky he is to be in his position, but knows that it wasn't handed to him and that he had to grind out and earn everything. And I mean, he's 20 with already an amazing resume and I, I can't wait to follow along and, and, and see where the journey takes him and, I know that Team Carrera podcast is is gonna pop off one day for sure, hundred percent. And I agree. Yeah. I think it really shines through the conversation that um, you know he he had a, a humble start. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't just put on a golden platter in the beginning. He got cut two years in a row um, before anything started to happen in his direction. You can say, but I think those failures helped him because the the next opportunities he got, he always knew, Hey, I know what it likes. It's like to be on the other side of this and, and being told no. And I think that gives him motivation to keep doing what he's doing. And yeah, like we, like we told him off air, I mean, he's extremely well-spoken and the way he is able to articulate his ideas, I think is, uh, yeah, something yeah, I'm really super looking forward to actually him having yeah. a podcast to speak like that, because I think, yeah. uh, 
he his brothers are also doing big things. His one, his one brother, like he said, is the third goalie at FC Dallas. His sister and and the little man, little Carrera, is is up and coming. So exciting things, exciting things. Yeah, and I I really appreciate him being candid about some of the the more difficult periods in his life. And I think the the the, the period of the the passage where we spoke spoke about psychologists and sports psychologists. I think um, players out there, not just players, just anyone you know, can take a lot from that. And I think, like he said, this this need to share, this need to to share the, the good and the bad, you know, the best players aren't doing it alone. No one should do it alone. So I, I think that was an amazing thing. And I, I appreciate him, you know, kind of giving us a, a look inside his journey and, and his reflection on it. And, you know, like I said, I mean, there's the sky's the limit for him, truly. And uh, I can't wait to... Uh, to have to have a, a coffee in, in Hamburg, hopefully. And I, yeah. I can't wait to see where his career takes him. Exactly. And with that, a little footwork to do's, the merch is on its way. So the merch, people, no, we have the merch. It's well, we just, have the merch. It's in a but different it's, country. Yes. Which it's, it's going to uh, stay there and everything, but there will be a little bit of promo for it. So, you know, if you course, made it this far this in the footwork. episode, you yeah, work as a promo company that does podcasts too. That's all we're doing is we're, we're, all we're just promos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So um, make sure you're signed up for the newsletter. Like we said, um, make sure you're subscribed to everywhere you subscribe to make sure um, you've liked and reviewed us in any, anywhere you can, you know, that free support, yeah. like we say, every single episode, those that stay this long, sounds like a broken record, but we truly appreciate it. And it means a lot for us and we continue. Yes. So until next time, keep moving forward, keep learning and make your own path. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands to make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos those are great but more importantly amazing content for any dream chasers out there plug plug pass tell your friends your enemies your mother your brother your sister your pastor it doesn't matter who tell the mailman your dog anybody that can listen like subscribe review because all of that helps while you're there we'll take whatever we can get to join the club join the club he messed me up i mean he can just he can just mash it together so it's fine (laughs) 